Today on Blue 58, we've talked about how the Packers could be a bit vulnerable at safety. But the flip side of that story is the fact that there's a pretty heated competition for the spots beyond Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage going on right now. Who's going to win? Let's figure that out. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Training camp marches on. Got a couple storylines that I would like to touch on. First and foremost, the Packers continue to have issues at long snapper. Jake Coco's making a run at Stephen Wordle. Coco's getting the first team rep so far, but he has not been great in camp, at least according to those on the scene. Stephen Wordle, meanwhile, has been not much better. In fact, he hasn't been better at all because Coco's been getting the first team reps, but Wordle's also been hurt. He limped off practice uh, off the practice field earlier this week, returned without incident, but being not great and a little nicked up is not a great place to be as we march into the middle portion of August. Right now, I would guess that the Packers' long-term long snapper for this season isn't on the roster. Where is he? I'm not sure. But we can get a clue by looking at teams with multiple long snappers on the roster. As far as I can tell, there's only two teams that fit the bill for that in the league right now. The Packers are one. The Cincinnati Bengals are the other, and the Bengals are a really good one to watch. Why? Well, it's who they have on the roster that's important. They've got Clark, Harris, and Cal Adamitis uh, battling it out for the long snapper job in camp right now. Harris has done the job for the Packers for, or not for the Bengals, for not the Packers, for the Bengals for a long time now. He's 38. He's been doing long snapper stuff for a, a good long while. He was originally a Packers draft pick way back in the day. Uh, but uh, that ship has has sailed. In fact, there's a number of long snappers throughout the league that are, are former former Packers. J.J. Uh, Jansen in Carolina, for one. Uh, Rick Lovato, I forget where he is right now. Tabor Pepper with the uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Lovato is with the, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, so a, a number of former Packers starting for teams at long snapper throughout the league. But um, boy, the Packers just can't get it figured out. But the Bengals are only going to keep one of those two unless they go really weird and keep two long snappers on their 53. Of those two, uh, the Packers should be probably interested in whoever's not on the 53-man roster. Harris, like I said, has done the job for a long time here. Adam Midas, meanwhile, was Dane Brugler's top long snapper prospect this season and his big draft guy, one of only, I think, two guys uh, with a draftable grade among the long snappers he profiled. The other three of the top four that he had listed... Keegan Markgraf, uh, Billy Taylor, and Jordan Silver are all currently free agents too. So if you're looking to broaden the pool of potential long snappers a little bit, that might be the way to go. In any case, it appears the Packers should be looking for a new long snapper. And as a number of people have pointed out, uh, Coco and Wordle are not just competing against each other in camp right now. They're also competing against all of the other available long snappers in the league as the Packers try to get this figured out. The other big story other than the offensive line, which is going to continue to be a thing until, well, everybody's healthy again. And that's probably never going to be the case this year because by the time David Bakhtiari comes back, if he comes back, and Elton Jenkins comes back, somebody else inevitably is going to be hurt. So outside of offensive line, the other big story right now appears to be the Packers' safety. We're going to talk about that in a second because I wanted to take a trip south of Green Bay for a little bit because I think there's something relevant happening right now with the Chicago Bears. Bears linebacker Roquan Smith has requested a trade, and there is 
a lot at play here that I think is worth opening up a little bit. Pull on a couple of threads here. In terms of the facts of the the situation, Roquan Smith was the eighth overall pick for the Bears in 2018. He has appeared in 61 of a possible 65 games since then and has piled up quite a few tackles in that span, more than 100 tackles every year. Uh, Though that is just a function, I think, of being on the field as a linebacker more than a reflection of his quality. Still, you've got to be a little bit more than a bum to um, pile up that many tackles, to be in the lineup often enough to to pile up those tackles. Also made a few plays on the ball, uh, though never really piling up big interception numbers or tackle for loss numbers or sacks or, or anything like that. To the point that I think good, not great, is a good summation of Smith's career so far. But now he wants to get paid. And since he's not getting paid by the Bears, he wants to be traded. Now, say what you will about a trade demand during camp, a camp where he has reported and has been playing for the Bears to this point. I think most of us will agree that wanting to get paid is not necessarily a bad thing. Everybody wants to get paid. Everyone wants to make as much money as they possibly can. And so I don't really begrudge anybody who wants that. You can quibble with the ways that guys go about it, but wanting to get paid is not a bad thing. And I can see his perspective too. The Bears are probably in a rebuild here. And he wants to be in Chicago. He made that clear in the statement that he released. He wants to be in Chicago. He's considered himself a lifelong Bears fan. It's a dream come true to be part of the Chicago Bears. But the Bears are rebuilding. They're a couple years away from what they think is going to be contender status. He wants to be here through that and beyond. So make it worth my time to be part of your rebuilding effort. Now, the Bears, for their part, seem lukewarm. And that's where it starts to get a little bit complicated for a couple of reasons. We'll talk about the bear side of things in a second, but on Smith's side, things are complicated because he is his own agent, and that is going to change things on both sides of the equation. It has to change things a little bit from the bear side and how they negotiate because you can't just talk to a player the same way you talk to an agent. Any hurt feelings that pass between a team and an agent will just go by the board. The, the agent will massage that message before it gets to the player. If the team is saying, we think you're worth X dollars, and the player is saying we're worth Y dollars, and that number is much higher than what you're saying, you're bound to ask, why don't you think I'm worth Y? And if you get an honest answer, things might not be (laughs) super great for you. You might consider yourself one of the best linebackers in the league. Does the team think of you the exact same way? And if you've been hearing that from your, your coaching staff, oh, we think he's one of the best playmakers in the league, blah, 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 blah. It means there's a bunch of different messages coming from you all at once, towards you all at once. Also complicating things is the fact that Roquan Smith plays a position that isn't super valuable. And we've done quite a bit of work on this before, so I won't belabor the point, but linebackers relative to other positions on defense are not super valuable. From a team perspective, you're better off more or less spending no money on an average player and then rotating that guy every year or every couple of years or every life of a rookie contract, unless you've got somebody super elite. There's really nobody, no reason to pay for somebody who's in between just okay and super elite because you're just not getting that much more. You can get by with somebody who's just okay. If you've got somebody who's a legitimate playmaker at the position, by all means, pay him. But if he's less than that, don't bother. However, there's an additional complication here too. 
because I think paying your own people has to matter at some point too. The NFL and NFL owners, I think, have done a good job of tricking fans into caring a whole bunch about the salary cap. Because there's an entire cottage industry around figuring out how guys are going to fit in under the salary cap. And we've gotten to the point where I think a lot of people view it as a merit to just pay people as little as possible all the time. And I want to push back on that idea a little bit. Because I think there is merit to the idea of paying somebody maybe a little bit more than you should from time to time just because of who they are. The Bears can send the message, if they don't play, pay Roquan, shoot, anybody's expendable. I could get cut. I could get traded. I could be out of town after my rookie deal is done. That's a message that you can send to your team, but is that one that you want to send? Is it better for your relationships with your team, with your players, if you just say, hey, we'll take care of our own? Because looking out for your own is a very sellable message. And if you want an example from the Packers' perspective of this, look at Aaron Jones. Day three pick, works his way up to become a Pro Bowl caliber starter. Packers pay him. They pay him handsomely. They extend him to the point of wondering if it's going to be worth it for him to even sign that deal. From a, a team perspective, do we really want to pay a running back this much? Because it's it's impossible, really, for any running back to, to live up to their contract. Just with how the position operates in 2022, you're almost never going to get your money back on a running back in terms of on-field value. But maybe it's not entirely about that. The Packers could very easily have said, you were nice and cheap for a, a day three pick. We've gotten a lot out of you, but now we've got A.J. Dillon. Good luck to you. We'll find somebody else. You'll certainly find somebody else too, but it's not going to be in Green Bay. But instead, the Packers invested in him. They took care of one of their own. And I think that does matter. It has to matter to a certain extent. It's not something that you want to make standard practice, but I do think you got to take care of your own to a certain extent. So unless Smith is asking for the moon here, which he may be, even beside the on-field value, which is maybe not as much as you know, paying an edge rusher or a defensive lineman or a corner or a safety, you shouldn't just, I don't think, dismiss out of hand the idea of paying him because there's some marketing aspect going on here. Internal marketing, internal communications, if you will. The Bears saying to the rest of their roster, look, we're, we're going through a rough patch here. It's going to be a couple of years before we're contending. Stick around. Be a good soldier. We'll take care of you. They could go the other way and say, we've got a new regime in town. We're clearing a house on everybody. But I think you got to pick one of those two. You can't try to say we're going to be in this new era of Bears football, but also try to keep people around, but also try to keep them around at bargain basement prices. Not paying Roquan Smith from a football perspective has a lot of points in its favor. But I don't think you can just look at this as a football move. It's got to be a little bit of a marketing move to your own team, too. Now, why should we as Packers people pay attention to this? The Packers have a situation coming up that resembles this. It's not entirely comparable, but I think it's going to be interesting for some similar reasons. Rashawn Gary is due for a contract extension pretty soon. He's entering his fourth year right now. He's under contract on the fifth year option for next season. And the Packers could certainly ride that out. They could say, We'll wait and see after year five or sometime during year five. We'll extend you at that point. We want to wait and see what happens. But he's also getting more expensive. 
and you risk him not wanting to be part of your organization long term. Now, it's a little bit different because he plays a more premium position as an edge rusher. He is has some inherent value that is higher than Roquan Smith. But his situation, I think, is extra relevant because he also is his own agent. And managing that relationship, I think, is important. We've got a relatively recent example in Devontae Adams of the Packers not necessarily managing a relationship as well as they probably could have. And we've got some recent examples, too, of things not necessarily being up to snuff in terms of relationship management. Aaron Rodgers, no doubt, has a few things to say about that. But I don't think we can dismiss this situation entirely out of hand as Packers fans just because it's the Bears going through it down in Chicago. Yes, it is funny to point and laugh, but with any situation in the NFL, it's always important to remember and remind yourself it could happen to my team, too. And if and when it does, make sure you've learned the lessons from the other teams along the way. Before we dive into a discussion about safeties, I want to take a second and shout out a couple Patreon supporters. Today, I would like to give a hearty shout out to Michael Strand, Justin Parker, and Sean Hunter. You know, I'm extra thankful for Patreon supporters this time of year. And you know why? Well, because I listen to some of the other sports podcasts. And listening to other sports podcasts, you know what you hear all the time. Two kinds of commercials. Daily fantasy sports and gambling. Now, I've really got no qualms with anybody who does either one of those, but it's just exhausting to hear about them all the time. But you'll never hear about them here. Why? Because Blue 58 will run no ads ever. And you make that possible. Listener support helps fund the show, helps us do fun things like podcast scholarships and continue to grow the show into new and different ways. And we're really grateful for that. So if you'd like to join us and get some bonus content for your contributions, head to patreon.com slash thepowersweep and toss in any amount you would like. We accept yearly or monthly contributions, and I think it's something you should at least consider. Speaking of considering, the Packers have some considerations to sort through at safety right now. It's, it's a bit of an open competition beyond Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. And I thought we should take a second to kind of review the options here. We talked about it in our safety preview. Now that we've got some time in camp under our belt, I thought we should take another look. There are a few contenders for the spots beyond Savage and Amos. In alphabetical order by last name, here we go. Tariq Carpenter comes to the team as a seventh-round pick this year. Real big safety, six foot three, 230 pounds. Packers have described him as a hybrid safety linebacker, but we really haven't seen much of him in camp to this point. You can't really rule anybody out until you start seeing preseason games, but I'm pretty close close to ruling him out for right now because there's some other strong contenders on the roster too. Next up, Sean Davis, 5'11", 202 pounds, signed to the Packers practice squad late last September after spending a bit of time with the Indianapolis Colts. He played nine snaps in 2021, all of them on special teams. If you're into unofficial depth charts and that sort of things, he is currently behind Innis Gaines on the unofficial Packers depth chart. And speaking of, Innis Gaines, another contender for safety snaps behind uh, Davis, or with Davis, I should say, because he's ahead of him, as we said. Six foot one, 202 pounds, one of the stars of camp last year, spent all of the season last year on this practice squad, but only played five snaps during the regular season, all of them on special teams. It's interesting to note, I think, that Davis got to the active roster before Innis Gaines last year. But this year, Gaines seems to be ahead of him 
Bill Huber of Sports Illustrated notes that Gaines has taken some snaps or some slot snaps this year, maybe adding a little bit of versatility to his game. You never really know. Uh, but he's trying some new things. Elsewhere on the safety depth chart is Dallin Levitt, 5'10", 195 pounds. We've covered him relatively recently, so we don't have to go super in-depth here. He was a core special teamer for the Raiders under Rich Bisaccia the past few years. We don't really need to dive in deep beyond that for reasons that will become clear here in a second. Finally, Vernon Scott, 6'2", 202 pounds, a former seventh-round pick. Packers timed him in the 40 in the 404 range, giving him pretty good speed for that size. He had double-digit snaps on defense in five games in 2020. He was a core special teamer that year too, but in 2021, he played exactly zero snaps on defense and just 17 on special teams, not getting quite as many opportunities last season. So how does all of this shake out? There are two obvious locks at safety. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos aren't going anywhere. They will be the Packers' starting safeties. They will get the bulk of the snaps unless one of something happens to one of the two of them. We've also got, I think, an obvious roster candidate in Dallin Levitt. I don't know if we could go so far as to call him a lock, but he's about as close as you can get right now to being an absolute stone-cold lock, just by virtue of his Bisaccia connections, by virtue of the fact that he took up space on the on the ones on virtually every special teams unit the moment he arrived in Green Bay camp. It's It's all but a done deal that he's going to get to the roster, I think. So that gets us to three safeties overall. And I think the Packers beyond that have one, maybe two spots left for a safety. So what do the Packers really need? Now, Levitt has played a bit on defense, but not so much that I think you'd feel super comfortable putting him out there on a regular basis. I don't think he is their third safety. I think he's one of their core special teams guys, but I don't think he's going to get a ton of snaps on on defense, in part because he's just a little bit undersized. 195 is pretty light for a safety, 510 is pretty short for a safety. So the fourth spot is probably going to the guy who's going to be the third safety in the Packers defense. So how do we sort that out? Again, I think we can rule out Tariq Carpenter for right now. He's probably a practice squad candidate, maybe a guy who's going to play some special teams, maybe see some spe- or some defensive snaps later in the year. That leaves us with uh, Vernon Scott, Innes Gaines, and Sean Davis competing for one, maybe two spots. Looking at power rankings, I think Vernon Scott has the inside track. I saw someone compare him to Yash Nyman uh, as, a, as a prospect, and I think there's something to that. Because if, if nothing else, Nyman was a great height-weight-speed candidate coming out of Virginia Tech. He had played quite a bit in college, sure, but he was going to need some time to develop at the NFL level. Scott has some of those same developmental aspects. He is a good athlete, he has good size, and he has had a track record of doing some things that are useful to the Packers, albeit in small doses. If nothing else, you know he can play special teams. This year, the Packers need him to take a step forward, and I think of those three, Given his physical attributes, he is the most likely to take that step forward. Beyond Scott, I think it's Innes Gaines. I just like his size better than Davis. I like that he can do those things like playing in the slot. I wouldn't count on him to do it regularly, but I like that he can do it. Um, And then Sean Davis bringing up the rear. This is something that I think we need to watch really closely as the Packers head into their preseason games, the first of which 
is um, is coming up this Friday. So get ready to, to watch for that. And our next episode is going to talk about some of the things that I, I think we should be watching heading into that first preseason game. Um, but figuring out who's the, who this third safety is, is going to be crucially important. And unlike most years, I don't think you can just look at special teams and try to figure things out. Normally this time of year is when I'm saying, remember to watch special teams, remember to watch special teams, see who's getting snaps on special teams, and that'll tell you who's going to be on the roster. I don't think we can do that this year because these guys, well, they've all played on special teams for one, but they've also got this this other guy, Dallin Levitt, who is the de facto special teamer among these safeties. So it's got to be more than that. Who contributes on defense? It could come down to a pass or two breaking one guy's way, uh, a tipped ball landing in somebody's lap that gives him a, a highlight real play. These sorts of things end up mattering a lot in the preseason. And that could be the make-or-break moment for the Packers' safety group this year. The Packers need a third safety. It's probably going to come from one of these three guys. And who it ends up being could shake out on just a couple plays over the next few weeks. So I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.